This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, August 8th, the Parenting Halfway Around the World edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is nine, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And I'm Courtney Martin. I write the Substack newsletter, Examined Family, and I'm the author of a book just about to be released in paperback called Learning in Public. And I am the mother of Maya, who's eight, and Stella, who just turned six, and we live in Oakland. Today we have a question about how to stay an active parent when your job takes you thousands of miles away. But first, we're opening up the mailbag. We're loving all your letters, and we've got a few of them to share. The first one has a great book suggestion in response to last week's Prince Not Princess episode. It reads, in addition to Julian is a Mermaid, which I also love, From the Stars to the Sky to the Fish in the Sea by Kai Chang Tom is a beautiful book for both littles and parents. It follows the story of a child who can't decide who to be, fish or bird, boy or girl. The main character's mother is worried about her kid at school, something that the letter writer could likely relate to, but she always celebrates the child for who they are with beautifully written poetry and songs. The book also doesn't prescribe to the gender binary, which is very helpful when discussing gender with young people. I would highly recommend this book to all parents to reinforce that gender is fluid and non-binary. When we got this letter, I put the book on hold at the library, and it's beautiful. It's like really beautiful. Add it to your holds list right now. Or go buy it. That's also great. All right. Well, we also got this lovely letter in response to that same episode. My almost six-year-old is very similar to the letter writer's child. While my child seems to solidly identify as a girl right now, she dislikes dolls and anything girly. She's also an end-of-summer baby, and her entire party is going to be Sonic-themed. Letter writer, your child likes what she likes. Her interests may change over time, and that's okay. She may never be traditionally girly. That's also okay. Letter writer, you're overthinking this. Just support her and her interests the best that you can and let her take the lead. You've got this. We also loved hearing about all the science projects you did after our show on science. Here's another letter. Hi, mom and dad. Like Zach, to say I dislike science in school is an understatement. I was so glad to have the reminder not to influence my kids by saying I hated science. I really enjoyed hearing how easy science can be with kids. I immediately, like before the episode was over, paused it and did the soap and milk experiment with my five-year-old. He was watching a favorite TV show, and as soon as I asked if he wanted to do a science experiment, he paused it and came straight over to the table. Kids do really want to learn, and influencing them with our hatred of high school science doesn't do anyone any good. And last but not least, we had some great resource recommendations following our Lost Libido episode. They recommended listening to the Longest Shortest Time podcast, which they said should be required listening for folks working on postpartum sex. They also recommended the Principles of Pleasure documentaries on Netflix and the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Well, thank you so much, listeners, for all your wonderful engagement. We love hearing what you think and sharing the resources that you all find helpful with more listeners. So keep sending stuff in. You can always write to us at slate.com or send us a voicemail by recording a voice memo and emailing it in. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to tackle today's question. We're back. So let's hop into our listener question of the day. 
Dear mom and dad, I'm looking for your wisdom and experience on how to parent when one partner has needed to travel long distances or overseas for extended periods for work. I have been offered a truly life-changing career opportunity that would transform our family's financial future with the catch that it would require me to relocate to the Middle East for a couple of years. Because of the nature of the work, construction in a very remote location, there's no practical way for the three of us, my partner and our five-year-old, to relocate as a whole family unit. However, a couple of employer-sponsored trips a year will allow us to maintain some small amount of physical togetherness. I really want to stay engaged with supporting my family emotionally. Please help. Thanks, faraway father. Yikes on bikes. So I have some experience with this with deployments, which is similar. I know a lot of military families will say it's different. I think that anytime you have to be separated, that we just share so much in common, kind of regardless of where they are. And I wanted to kind of address this piece, which is supporting your partner, because I actually think that's the hardest thing. Like kids are pretty flexible. And if you can maintain some calls, um, maybe like a little paper chain between your visits so that they can actually see how long things are. What I like about something like a, a paper chain is that should that that timeline change, you can just add a few more um, chains. We never actually count them. We just, we just like cut them each day to say we're one day closer. Um, but to me, the hardest part about being away is that all of a sudden there's a very clear division and you came from presumably a household in which both of you are working towards the family physically. And so even if your partner is carrying a majority of the household stuff, you're still physically there. They can ask you for help. They are probably influenced in the way they do things because of your presence. When you leave, your partner will do the things the way um, they need to do them. And that doesn't always look like when you're home. We sort of have this joke that like when dad's gone for a long time, that it's like cereal for dinner. Like we just drop a lot of those standards to things that I know are easy. I know everyone will like because the days are long. Like there is no somebody coming home. There is no um, someone else picks up carpool today or whatever that might look like. There, There's no option but me. And so I just drop a lot of standards. What doesn't work is when the person calling then is like, hey, you know, our child mentioned that you had another cereal dinner, like those sort of things, as opposed to just being excited and supportive of whatever is going on and asking the questions of, is this something you want me to fix? Like if Jeff, you know, we have our phone time and I'm like, the sprinkler's broken and I can't get the lawnmower to start all of this stuff. Because by the way, when your partner goes, all the things happen. The dishwasher will break all of the things. One of the things we learned is that he needs to say, which of these things do you want me to fix? Which of these things do you need me just to listen about? Because he's not going to get any of those normal um, context clues that you get from living with someone about how annoyed I am or what I need. And you as the party that is not home with the child needs to be the one to ask, do you want me to do something about this? Do you want me to call someone? Do you Because if you just do those things, you are inserting yourself in a situation that you are not involved in. <laughs> and I know that sounds terrible because you want to be part of this, but I think your role now is being super supportive and seeing how you can help and having a regular time that you talk and communicate with the child and the other parent, which are separate times. Because a lot of times, like if the kids are having time, that's not the time for me to tell you all of the things, right? And I'm working on having a good conversation. So we need to have a separate time. 
And you need to be reliable on those, even if it's that you pick up at work. Or if you can't pick up at work, make sure people know that. I, th- I think it's all about kind of this accountability and having it happen, even if you pick up and say, it's a really bad time. I'm here. I love you. Here's the next scheduled. Like, I can move it to this time. Does that work? Right? Like, making sure that you are there when you say you're going to be there. And also, the reunification is, to me, the worst part, because we get really good about having separate spheres. But when the person comes back, even for a short visit, and they think that everything is going to work the same way, it's like, well, I've figured out a way that I pack the lunches now. And we are all used to that. So if you come in and all of a sudden are doing that, it's really disruptive. And the kids don't respond well. And, you know, the other partner that's at home feels all off. So I think knowing those tricky moments and doing what you can um, to invest with your partner as a support person and having the expectation that like you can't really parent from abroad. You can be there, but you cannot do the day in, day out stuff. And that's a decision you've made together and it's totally fine. But don't go over there thinking, I'm going to be this, <laughs> this great parent from the other side of the world because it's just hard to be that same parent that you were when you were there. You know so much more about this than I do. The only thing I was thinking about is just really making sure the five-year-old, because five is young, you know, five is like really young. So making sure that five-year-old knows this is not about you, like dad is not leaving you because of you, like super basic. But I just think that it's really hard for a five-year-old to wrap their brain around this kind of an absence. So I would just, I was thinking a lot about the like front-loading explaining what's going to happen and why it's happening and making sure the five-year-old has really, you know, internalized that this is not that dad is choosing someone else or something else over you. That's a very good point. And that's hard to understand at five, you know, like you understand that your parents work, but the idea that like, you know, doing this kind of work could change, you know, the adults can understand that like three years away could completely change the, you know, the family's financial future. But for a kid, it's like, why can't you just work somewhere here? You know, Um, so doing the best you can to explain why this is happening and how the family will benefit. Um, I would just add, you know, creating rituals and things that you all do together from afar that have some meaning. It could be the family reading a book together, having dad read a book on FaceTime and having, you know, the same copy of the book in the house so you can follow along with the pages, having a couple of maybe a show or something that you all enjoy that you watch so that when you all get on the phone, you can talk about it, feel like you all have experienced something together that you're sharing an experience, even though you can't technically sit and watch it together. But I I think just as much contact, as much time as possible, you know, which will be difficult. The time zones will be different. But dad needs to feel as regular a part of the schedule as possible. You know, that could be written correspondence, mailing pictures and letters, just doing everything that you all can to to be connected. Jamila, I feel like we had a question where people were asking about parent was traveling and we had some ideas about a bracelet, things like that. And I wonder if those are applicable kind of here, too. I think so. I vaguely remember, vaguely, but all the little things that you can do to stay connected. So the three of you wearing a matching bracelet, you know, um, the three of you all eating the same meal on Tuesdays, you know, even though it's being prepared by different hands, 
you know, so that even if you don't eat together, you send a picture of it. I've got my grilled cheese and fries. Do you have yours? You know, um, just as little, as many small rituals as you all can have as possible, I think would do a lot so that daddy feels like part of this family, you know? Jeff used to make us these little videos about his day when he was there. Uh, he went on like a very short deployment when when Henry was about this age. And he would make us these um, videos. And one day he was explaining the different types of bottled water that they have. I mean, we were really grasping for like things, you know, and he was like, there are three types of bottled waters here. And he like opened them and took a drink and then he would pronounce the name. And the one that was the worst when he pronounced the name, uh, he was in the middle he was in the Middle East, um, sounded like ass water. <laughs> and so now in our, like, the little kids, like, when they don't like, you know, would be like, mm, ass water. <laughs> but that's not, it was like just a terrible mispronunciation <laughs> by Jeff that became part of the family. But it's that to say, like, these little things he did that I'm sure he felt so stupid, videoing himself like, we have three waters, <laughs> so I'm going to tell you about them, became these things for my kids that are actually like these moments that they really liked. Um, getting these videos, even though we could FaceTime and do that kind of stuff, like he would send these things and we could watch them. If you Google military deployments, or there's a ton of like oil and gas workers that do this all the time, you're going to come up with some like Reddit or something where people just have listed out like, here is this app that does this. Here is this video idea that worked. Um, Because Jamila, I think you're right. Like that connection to this five-year-old is so important and and you're going to have to work to make that that happen. I really like the idea of everyone like eating a one of the little mac and cheeses, you know, that you can make everywhere. All you need is water. Tuesday night dinner with dad. It's really cute. Well, uh, thank you, Far Away Father, for writing in. Please keep us updated and good luck to you. Everyone else, we know a lot of you are doing the long-distance parenting thing, so why don't you write in and let us know what's working? We love hearing from you, and we love sharing your thoughts with other listeners. Send us your thoughts, questions, and responses by email or voice memo to slate.com. Finally, time for recommendations, the part of the show where we talk about stuff we think you should check out. Courtney, what are you recommending? I want to recommend the Rebel Girls app. Probably a lot of people have seen the book um, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls, which I was kind of late to. But a friend of mine told me that her daughter was listening to the podcast while she was falling asleep. And then I realized they have this whole app situation. And I love it so much, like listening with the girls. There's a lot of stuff they want to listen to that I find like kind of annoying. And this is so good. Like there's a Pamela Adlon who did Better Things, which I also highly recommend if you've never seen. Um, incredible show. But Pamela Adlon narrates the story about Frida Kahlo. There's like an incredible story about Josephine Baker, who now I'm just like obsessed with and I want to watch that documentary. There's a podcast about this like volcano scientist who fell in love with this dude and they traveled all over the world, like hanging out at volcanoes and studying lava. That's now going to be a new documentary with Miranda July narrating. Like it's just really good, interesting, and good for both kids and adults. I think bo- great for boys, girls, gender nonconforming kids alike. So highly recommend Rebel Girls app. Yeah, I didn't know there was an app. We've been doing the podcast, but I always like when there's like a the app that the kids can kind of self um, choose it and be choosing episodes and all of that. So we'll be downloading that as well. Yeah. 
And they've got like, they also have a great, interestingly, my youngest daughter loves the Naomi Osaka story, which is about like mental health and tennis. And so there are some good issues that you can get into with your kids, depending on their age group. I'm recommending the Professor Noggin card game, and these come in all different kinds of topics. And I have actually had them and was homeschooling with them, like using them as a like today for history, we're going to be playing this game. But I grabbed a few to put in the car because I thought like, oh, they're they're really small. They're just like a deck of cards and a little dice and um, put them in the car to use. And they ended up being like a huge hit just to play in the car or play like when we were picnicking and the kids were asking for them. And basically the card has six little history questions on them. They have a picture in the front. We took the history deck. There's like a bird deck, a space deck, a national park deck, like you name it, they've got it. It's really cool. Um, And the kids loved it. And some of the questions like stumped Jeff and I, which is kind of cool. So they were able to like ask us questions that we didn't know because everyone gets a card. And, you know, the game is like you roll the dice and then you see what question to ask. But we just each took a card and took turns like asking and seeing who knew something. And it was it was like really great. In fact, I put a few more in the car um, because I thought like, well, these would be perfect. Like when we go out to dinner or like if we're going to sit around and we like to go to breweries, like have something for the kids to do that we found enjoyable as well. So um, that's the Professor Noggin card games and you can choose the topic that you would enjoy. Very nice. Well, I'm recommending, it's like the show of the summer, so you've probably already seen it, but I'm recommending The Bear on FX. I binged it a few weeks ago. It's a series about a young chef cooking at this fabulous restaurant in New York and his brother who owns and operated the family restaurant in Chicago commits suicide. So he comes back home and he leaves this, you know, very promising career to run a divey Italian beef shop. And he inherits this kind of colorful cast of employees from his brother, including his brother's best friend, who felt like he should have inherited the store, the restaurant himself. And it's just really good. You know, it's interesting. The show is really just about the restaurant. There's no romantic subplots. You know, there's not a lot of other stuff going on aside from the maintenance of this restaurant in spite of the lead character's very kind of complicated grief journey and missing his brother. It's basically what you're dealing with, the loss of the brother in the restaurant. And it's just really good. It stars Jeremy Allen White from Shameless, um, puts him back in Chicago, playing a tortured genius from a complicated family again. And it's really good. And that is it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds on Thursday, so be sure to tune in. And while you're at it, please subscribe, please, and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjola and Rosemary Belson. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Courtney Martin, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. 